Well, we've been in this sermon series, as Zeb said, called Built to Last. Uh, I'm so excited because this year, and we've been saying this every week, so you may already know this, but this year we're celebrating 75 years of our church being in the community here uh, and ministering to the people of both Renton and Kenton. So that is just an absolutely awesome thing. And as a team, we've been kind of sitting down and looking at if we've been here for 75 years, um, we, we think that's awesome. We think that's great. We're really, really excited that we're, we've been here for that long. But what does it mean for us to go another 75? What does it look like for us to be able to be a church that is built to last? And so over the last few weeks, Pastor Nate has been unpacking core habits or core values of who we are as a church. And as a team, we spent a lot of time kind of trying to figure this out and give it to you uh, these mornings. And so we're gonna unpack and, and look at one specifically, but I want to look back on uh, what we've learned so far and then look forward to the future. So as a good just reminder for us, the, the first core habit that Nate uh, shared a few weeks ago was that we gather as a church because we believe in Bible teaching and worship. We believe in the corporate gathering of believers here in this room. We believe that this is something important. This is something that God calls us to do. We believe in uh, committing and we commit to uh, community. Last week, Pastor Nate shared that, that we believe in the gathering of believers, not just around uh, common shared things like the Seahawks or fun things that, not that that's not awesome, but we, we, we gather around a supernatural commitment to Jesus and who he is. And we have differences in that, but we still love one another because of our care for him. The other core value is service. And we haven't dove into this yet and we're gonna start today. Um, we serve in next generation ministry. We serve with local kindness. We serve in global missions. We are on mission for the sake of the kingdom as a group of people together pursuing what it looks like for the kingdom of God to make an impact in the Seattle area. And the last one is that we retreat. We spend time in prayer alone. We take intentional moments to be able to be in a relationship with the Lord alone. So this week, we're gonna look at next generation ministry. That under that service core value, we're gonna look at next generation ministry. And I wanna add a brief disclaimer to this uh, idea of next generation. We here at Highlands believe in all generations. We love every single generation here. We love the fact that we are able to serve as a body of people all together. But this morning, we wanna specifically just look at kids and students and that group of people that are within our church that, that are the next upcoming generation of our church that are going to make an impact for the sake of the kingdom. This is something that is close and near to the heart of God. It's something since the beginning of time, if you go back Genesis all the way to Revelation, God is consistently charging the people of Israel and the church to care for and to pass down the things that they've learned. Look at Psalm chapter 78, verses one through four. Uh, the psalmist is reaching out to the Israelite people and he says, my people, hear my instruction. Listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare wise sayings and I will speak mysteries from the past, things we have heard and known and that our ancestors have passed down to us. Now look at verse four. We will not hide them from our children, 
but we will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his might, and the wondrous works that he has informed. The next generation is a part of the kingdom work of Jesus. We together are pouring into this generation so that we can see the gospel advanced. It's interesting, there is this group, um, this analytic group for churches called uh, Barna, and they did a study um, that some of you may be familiar with. It's a very popular study, um, but their study indicated that nearly half of all Christ, uh, Americans, uh, American Christians who accept Jesus Christ as their savior do so before reaching the age of 13. That's 43%. And that two out of three, uh, three born-again Christians, about 64%, made that commitment to Christ before their 18th birthday. That's Psalm 78 lived out in our country. We're seeing that people are coming to saving faith before the age of 18. Now, um, I can see it in some people's eyes. You may be a little bit skeptical of this study because you know the other end to it. Some of you may be sitting here and you're like, that's really cool and that's awesome, but there's kind of a bookend to it. Uh, in this same study, one out of every four born-again Christians, uh, 23% that is, embraced Christ after their 21st birthday. Barna noted that the figures are consistent with similar studies as it has conducted over the past 20 years. So we are making Christians at a young age and then we aren't keeping Christians as they graduate. We're seeing a lot of people fall away. There's a disconnect between 18 and college. The next generation that's supposed to rise up and be this massive force for the community and for the gospel is suddenly falling away and no longer following after Jesus once they get to college. The question is why? What's happening? And this is something that, like this study even says, over the last 20 years, probably throughout all of church history, we've wondered why. What's occurring? Do we need to get programs in that, that are gonna be able to help us? Is there maybe a, a, a specific key that we can kind of unlock something and then all of a sudden all of our students are gonna be Christians? How do we foster within the next generation a desire and a love for Jesus so that as they become adults, they pass that down to the next generation and they stay Christians. They stay faithful. And I can't stand up here and pretend I have the answer. I can't, you know, come up and be like, well, you know, I have the ticket. It's right here. And uh, if you join our next generation ministry, every single one of your students and kids are gonna be Christians for the rest of your life. It's great. I can't promise you that. I wish I could. It'd be amazing. All we can do is do our best to be able to do what the Bible has instructed us to do and pour into this next generation and see Jesus do a mighty act and work because I believe he can. I believe he will. Some of you may doubt that 100% of our students and kids can get saved, but I, I wanna see that day come. So what do we as Highlands, as a church, what do we specifically do? Like, what is our thing? 
And as a team, uh, the, uh, as the kids team and as the student team and uh, along with Pastor Nate, we sat down and we began to look at what is maybe something that we want to become or something that we want to embody, and maybe even take from the past and apply to the future. And we came up with this statement. This is kind of our vision pitch for the future and maybe even currently what we are today. And it's this, that we partner with parents to help kids and students find and follow Jesus by providing intentional environments, biblical resources, and godly influence. I'm gonna read it again because it's super important. This is the direction that we're hoping to go in, that we partner with parents to help kids and students find and follow Jesus by providing intentional environments, biblical resources, and godly influence. So, I know, once again, you may be looking at this and you may be skeptical uh, because maybe some of this stuff is aspirational. But I wanna kind of take a moment and unpack what do each one of these words mean? Because it's going to drastically impact and in fact, how we uh, go forward with our programs and the stuff that we do here at Highlands and ways that you even can get, get involved. Because I would argue, next generation ministry is not just a ministry on itself, and it's just kind of for the cool, hip, young people that are able to invest in the kids and students. This is a church issue. If we want to see that 23% raised, we need everyone involved. We believe in intergenerational ministry here at Highlands. It is something that is close to our heart, meaning we wanna see seniors involved in youth ministry. We wanna see parents involved in kids ministry. We wanna see a variety of backgrounds impacting and caring for our parents, our families, our kids, and our students. So let's spend a few moments just kind of breaking down what we mean by this statement. The first thing is this, that we partner with parents. We partner with parents. We believe that it is important for us to specifically state that we partner with parents because the church has historically, at least recently, done a bad job at it. I'm not even talking here at Highlands. I'm talking American church. Historically, we've done a bad job of it. And there's a lot of different reasons and I can't get into every single one. But there is a tendency within the church for us to send our kids to youth ministry, send our kids to kids ministry, hope that they end up coming out of Christian in the end and that the, 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 the kids minister or the youth minister kind of makes them into a perfect Christian and then they graduate and then boom, they're there. They're great, they're perfect. And there's this tendency to kind of send them in and then they come out great in the end. We, I don't necessarily blame you. If you're a parent and you kind of maybe have this mindset and you're like, what does he mean? He's, uh, isn't that what you're for? Isn't that what you're paid for? Um, I don't, I don't blame you for having this mentality or mindset because it's all over our culture. Like if you really think about it, if you want your kid to score higher on the ACT, you send them to a tutor. You don't train yourself for the ACT, right? Um, if you want your kid to learn piano, you're not becoming a musician, you're gonna send them to the, the piano teacher. If you want your kid to be educated, you're gonna send them to school for the most part. You're gonna have them be educated by a teacher. You're not gonna learn algebra right? You're going to send them to that person. So once we get to church, we then say, okay, I want my kid or I want my student to become a Christian. Therefore, I am going to send them to the church, the program, the director, the pastor, because they are the professional to be able to do so. And I'm not negating that because once again, I would be out of a job if that was the case. 
But I think we can do a better job of partnering together in impacting the lives of kids and students. This is a dual partnership. This is not just one stands alone and takes all the bolts. This is together we care for our kids and students. I saw this kind of played out um, in my uh, previous ministry uh, in Ohio. Um, I, I don't wanna use his name because uh, I don't wanna cast a shadow on his character or anything, but there was this kid named, we'll, we'll term him kind of John, and John attended our youth ministry for about two to three weeks, just kind of randomly in the fall. Uh, he had found our ministry somehow, and he was just this super nice young kid. I, I really appreciated his spirit. Anytime he was around, he was fun, he was engaging, he just was very kind and respectful. Uh, and John was coming to our Sunday night gathering where we had worship and teaching and small group, and uh, I remember one particular night where John is dropped off by his parents, and uh, it was kind of the classic thing where, there's nothing wrong with this, but there's a classic thing where parents drive up, kid gets out, sprints inside the building real fast, and, and, and kind of gets inside to go meet his friends and stuff, and um, on this particular evening, his parents roll down the window and kind of motion me over kind of very hurriedly, like there's something that they need to say. There's something that they're worried about. And so um, they, they motion me over. And so I kind of walk over and I'm gonna talk to them. And they're like, hey, so how is, how's John been in the youth ministry? I'm like, he's been good. He's been great. Actually, he's been awesome. And he's like, okay, has he hurt you? I was like, no. And then they're like, thank you. And then they just take off <laughs> and, and leave me there. And I'm like, John's inside the building. I don't know what's about to happen. And I'm freaked out. And I, I, I obviously, I followed up with him after and I was able to kind of give him a call and be like, hey, so what was that about? That was a little weird. Um, and I, as I kind of began to figure it out, there was some things that were going on inside John's life that wasn't super serious, but, but there was just some things going on inside his heart and his mind's life that he began to kind of get a little bit more disrespectful to people that were above him. But what I learned from the parents was they definitely kind of had this mentality that was, okay, if we send them to the youth ministry, he will get rid of these behaviors, he will get rid of these habits, and he will come out just a perfect Christian in the end, and we'll kind of let you deal with it over here. And I think that's harmful. It's harmful for both the parents' relationship with the kid, it's harmful to the kid's spiritual well-being, and then it's harmful for the church as well. Because we all together need to be joining in on the mission of helping our students. Because if you think about it, I only get Sunday, our team only gets Sunday, our kids ministry only gets Sunday, and maybe one event. You get like, if you're a parent, you get every single day with your kid and student. It would be neglectful for us not to invest in you and help you with your relationship. And this idea is biblical. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter six, as God uh, shares the kind of pinnacle statement of what it means to be a follower of him and how the, the golden rule, if you will. He says this, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We've all heard that before. But then he says in verse six, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart, but repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. This is a command to the Israelites and I would argue even to us today 
that as parents, you have a responsibility for the discipleship of your kids and children. And as a church, we should not take that away from you. If anything, we need to be supporting you in every way possible to be able to do so. And so what we wanna do is three different things. And this comes from Deuteronomy chapter six. Three different things that we wanna help you in and three different things that we're, as we go forward, as we look to the fall, as we look to be able to kind of aspire to be partnering with you. Three things we wanna partner with you in. Number one is time, time. We wanna help you with time. Deuteronomy chapter six is talking about just spending intentional time with your kid and student. Parents, um, the way that we would describe time is parents build intentional time into the rhythm of family life for the purpose of thinking about, talking about, and living out the gospel. We wanna help you spend time with your kids and students. So there will be times this uh, fall or even coming up here soon as things open up more and more where we're going to be able to give you intentional time. We're gonna provide specific events. And then there's also ways that we're gonna be able to help you think about how you can spend time with your kid and student at home. We want you to be spending time building a relationship with them. We want you to be able to have them be your friend by the time they turn 25, 30. They have their own families. We want you to look back on your time in next-gen ministry, being a parent of next-gen ministry, to see that you were able to build a relationship with your student. We want you to spend time. The second thing is moments. Not only time, but moments. We want parents to capture and leverage opportunities in the course of everyday life for the purpose of gospel-centered conversations. If you look throughout this text, it says that, that you, should, uh, you should speak with, with your children as you go. You should, uh, you should uh, write it on as you sit in your house, as you walk along the road, as you lie down, and as you get up. There's these moments throughout the day that you can leverage to be able to talk about the gospel or what's going on in the life of your kid or student. And we want you to be, we wanna give you resources to be able to leverage those moments. So when you're driving to soccer practice or when you're going to the next big event or when you're taking them everywhere that you go because you spend a majority of the time in the car with them, you're able to leverage those moments to hang out with them and, and, and speak intentionally into different areas of their life. The last thing is milestones. So we want time, moments, and milestones. We want parents to mark and make occasions to celebrate and commemorate significant milestones of God's work in the life of the family and the child. It says here in Deuteronomy chapter six that, that we are to mark, to, to, to uh, he specifically says it should be a symbol on your forehead, a sign on your hand, write them on the doorpost. There are these specific milestones in a kid's life that we want you to be able to celebrate together and mark so that they know that they are progressing in their faith and they understand what's happening. And this is kind of different from our 21st century Western culture because we don't really celebrate milestones or uh, kind of that passing on the torch mentality. We've kind of done away with it. We don't really know when you've made it to that next level. And so we wanna help you in a variety of different areas. And once again, this is something that will come out in the future and more specifically to parents, but we wanna help you um, when your student or your kid is saved for the first time. We wanna help you when they first get baptized. We wanna help you when they move up from middle school to high school. We wanna help you when they graduate. We wanna mark those milestones. And listen, we need to do a better job. I will admit, we will need to do a better job of helping you be the celebrators and you be the heroes, then us be the heroes. 
We need to do a better job of making sure that you're the one giving the Bible, that you're the one praying the prayer. We wanna help you be able to mark those milestones with your students. And so we're gonna do everything that we can to celebrate it because you're the hero of your kid's life, not me. You're the one that's investing in their life. And there's so much to unpack there, but we want to help you. We wanna partner together with you. We wanna care for the lives of our students by marking milestones. So we wanna help you with time, moments, and milestones, partnering together with you because together we can do so much more. The second thing that we wanna provide is intentional environments, intentional environments. Our desire is to have environments that strategically connect kids and students to the life of the church as a whole, as an active member of the church. We want our students to do the same thing that we're trying to practice, the same core values. We want students to gather, we want them to commit, we want them to serve, we want them to retreat. We don't want them to just be kind of on their own, having their own segment. They, don't, they do all of their own stuff in their own way, and then by the time they graduate, they can join the church. We want them together worshiping and celebrating the work that God is doing in our life. We see this reflected in Matthew chapter 21. It's interesting. Uh, the blind and the lame are coming to, to Jesus in the temple, and he's healing them. In verse 15, it says, when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders he did and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and they said to him, do you hear what the children are saying? And Jesus says, yes. Have you ever read that you have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and nursing babies? So the, the Pharisees, the religious elite of the time, are looking for Jesus to stop these kids who would typically have to be silent and kind of in their own space. And Jesus says, no, they're a part of what's happening here. Out of the mouths of infants, out of the mouths of kids, worship is raised up to Christ. And I think a major reason why we see a lot of people or a lot of students and kids leave or not know what to do once they graduate is because they were never really connected to the church as a whole in the first place. They don't really know what's happening. And once again, this is more on us than it is anyone else. We need to do a better job of making them know that they are a part of everything that happens here. I'm gonna uh, butcher this last name, but uh, Mark, I think it's Iaconelli, um, once again, that was probably a terrible pronunciation. But uh, the author of Contemplative Youth Ministry had just an excellent quote on this. He said, inspired by parachurch youth ministries from the 1950s, ministries of distraction kept youth moving from one activity to the next. It's a Nickelodeon approach to youth ministry that seeks to appeal to kids' propensity for fun and recreation. The idea is to keep young people from running out, to keep them in the general vicinity of the church, to keep them happy until they're mature enough to join the congregation. There's this idea that we kind of have to continue to feed students entertainment, produce, 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 and they'll just really, really like the church, and so then once they graduate, they're just gonna continue to love it again. And we just see kids and students, they don't really know who they are in the church. And I don't blame them for walking away because once they leave and then try to jump back in again or they go find a campus somewhere that's in a different state because they went to college somewhere else, they don't know where to go. They only knew the youth ministry. And hear me, I really wanna make this very, very clear and, and Nate addressed this last week. I'm not saying to get rid of youth ministry. I'm not saying to get rid of youth gatherings. I am not saying that we should get rid of all fun and just Anything that is just entertaining and fun should just be done away with in youth ministry. I am not saying that. 
because, and I wanna give a brief disclaimer, this afternoon I am literally going to leave from this place and go to the Family Fun Center, okay? And I'm gonna hang out with 75 middle school students and we're just gonna have fun. There's never gonna be a moment where I'm gonna stand up and be like, hey, so you, you, just like Jesus uh, would have gone to the Family Fun Center, so you know, I'm not gonna come up with a sermon in that moment. It, it's purely there for us to be able to have fun with our middle school students. But the key is we wanna be more intentional about the reason why we would have fun. We're not just having fun to have fun. We're having fun to strategically build relationships, build bridges with adult leaders, with peer friends, with the church itself, for people to be able to bring their friends so that eventually they can then come to the next event that will then connect them to our church and for them to be able to learn how to grow further in their relationship with the Lord. We wanna be strategic and intentional about it. I think that fun is the language that kids and students speak and we should speak that language. But we, be, we, we begin to step away from being a ministry when all we're doing is trying to just have fun and leave the kids on the side. We need to be more intentional about inviting them into the life of the church, having them be a part of everything that's going on here. They should know what's happening here and be a part of everything that we're doing. One way that we say it, and Zeb even said it in his prayer, is that the next generation is not uh, the church of tomorrow. The next generation is the church of today. They should be actively involved in what we're doing here. So that's gonna shape and form what we do. And once again, we're not getting rid of D groups on Sunday night where our high school students are able to connect with their friends. We're not getting rid of our middle school gatherings or high school gatherings or summer camps. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you signed up for summer camp, we've gotten rid of every single game. And then I'm saying that we should do a better job of once we get students into those events of connecting them to the church and getting adult leaders from every single age to be connected to them so that there's a relationship that is built in that moment. And it's not just simply that it was a great experience, but there was a lot of different things that were happening there. The next one is this. Um, not only do we have intentional uh, environments, but we also provide biblical resources. We want our kids and students to know the Bible. We want them to love the Bible. We want them to live out the Bible. We want them to reflect Colossians chapter one where Paul says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share share in the saints' inheritance of the light. I would love it if our students, as they come through our ministry, if our kids, as they come through our ministry, understand and know the, 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 the Bible, that they are filled, as Paul says here, with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding that they're able to go do the things that the Bible commands them, that they bear fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of God, and that they know what it means to have a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord as well, that they have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. I realized that I was somewhat failing in my, uh, my job and my ministry when I've had a lot of uh, you know, conversations with college students, and uh, they had gone out and they've, they hung out with um, their friends, and they had done different things, maybe even got plugged into organizations and stuff uh, that were at their college campus or other churches, and they'd come back and have coffee with them, lunch with them, and they would say, I, 
I don't really know how to read my Bible or I don't really know what it looks like for me to have a relationship with the Lord. What does it mean for, you know, like what's this uh, spiritual discipline or what's this gifting or what's this? And I'm not, I'm, I know I can't take full responsibility for that because there's a lot of times, and I love you students, but there's a lot of times that stuff just goes way over the head. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in your life and that just goes over. But I think that we fail if our students were to go through or a kid was to go through our entire ministry and they don't even know what the word of God means, what it says, how to communicate the gospel, what it looks like for them to be able to be on fire for the Lord. So we want biblical resources to be given to our students so that they know by the time they graduate what it looks like for them to practice spiritual gifts, what it looks like for them to be able to practice spiritual disciplines, what it looks like for them to be able to be rooted in biblical theology and doctrine, what it looks like for them to know apologetics and how to defend their faith. And those are some stuff we're working on because some of you may be sitting here once again, you're like, no, you're not really doing that right now. Come this fall, we're looking at ways that we can begin to kind of have the building blocks as we move forward. Because parents, we wanna be able to help you have biblical resources and we want students that are on fire for Lord. We want students, as Paul says to Timothy, um, that aren't looked down upon because they're young. And I know he's not a middle school or a high school student. He was older at the time, all that kind of stuff. But I want students that aren't looked down and they're setting an example and they're passionately worshiping and they're part of the church and they know the Bible and they understand it, making impact at their school. Their sports teams are literally changed because they love Jesus so much that they can't stop sharing about him. We want them to understand and know biblical resources. And the last one is this, and this potentially is the most important one next to parent uh, connection or parent, uh, getting parents involved, parent partnership. And it's godly influence, godly influence. A parent is not the only influence that a kid or a student needs. They're an extremely important one. They are the primary voice in the life of a child but every child needs another voice saying the same thing a loving parent would say. God has designed the church with people with different ages, different backgrounds, different thoughts, different um, lifestyles to be able to help guide kids and students and to work with you parents to be able to help influence the life of the student forever. If you really think about it, how many times, um, it's interesting how this works sometimes, but how many times have you told your kid or student, if you've been involved in the life of the church, but uh, you, you've told your kid or student uh, something that was just directly out of the Bible or something that they really needed to know. For instance, like uh, your friends will dictate your future. So pick your friends wisely, something like that. There's a proverb for that, I bet you, but uh, it was something like that. And you share that with them and they're like, mom, that's so stupid, dad, that's so stupid. I don't really care. And then they go do basketball. They play basketball or something. They walk out of the house real fast and they kind of shake it off. But then their D group leader or their coach or the teacher or someone that uh, is, is influential in their life walks up to them and says, hey, I just want you to know that your friends uh, dictate your future and you should pick them very, very wisely. And your, your kid or student comes home. They're like, mom, dad, guess what extremely wise thing I heard today? That happens all the time, right? Like it happens in my life. I've done it to my parents. I know this just, it happens all the time. But there is something to the echo of another person's life, another, another person's word to your kid or student that helps just implant the things that you are saying to them that comes together just beautifully. And without it, it wouldn't make the same impression as it would before. 
So your life, no matter who you are, can make an impact. You can make an impact. You can literally be someone who changes lives. Next Generation Ministry, once again, is not just only for the young people, it's for everyone. And it's important for you to know that you don't have to be cool. You don't have to be young. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be the most put together person. You simply just have to be there. Kids and students just need someone. They need somewhere to be. They need people influencing and speaking into their life, sharing the gospel with them. And that's kind of the, the, the part that is the part that our D group leaders play, that our middle school small group leaders play. But it's all over the place in, in the ways that people serve is the, the ability for people to be able to speak truth and life into a student, someone that just simply knows them, cares for them, and believes in them. Reggie Joyner, an author of a lot of different middle school and high school, um, well, even kids' books, uh, says, before you can expect kids to believe, you usually need to give them someone who believes in them. The church has so many different people that has the, the ability to be able to speak truth and life into a student and simply be there for them, believe in them, share and show the same grace that Jesus showed them. We provide a godly influence to be able to help your kids and students find and follow Jesus and speak truth and love in the heart and lives of students. So the question is, what do we do? If we wanna be able to pursue this, go after this, all these things sound good, what is the next step for you and I? Um, once again, Next Generation Ministry is a communal thing. This is a gospel-centered communal thing. And I would charge you to begin to just think of ways to be able to support and get involved in the next generation. If we wanna see the church thrive and grow together, we need to be able to work together to see the gospel advanced in the next generation. And, and as you're even hearing this, as you know the direction that I'm going in, because eventually I'm going to land on you uh, serving and inviting you to serve in next generation ministry. You may immediately begin to think like, you know, Every week is just too much of a commitment for me to be able to serve in next-gen ministry. Or I don't really have the skills. I don't really have the resources. I don't know en enough biblical information. Middle school students scare you, and I love them to death, but they scare me too. Um, you, you just, you don't really know where to, what to do. You've seen uh, you know, leaders be really invested before, and you're like, I just don't have enough time. And there's a variety of different ways that you can be engaged and involved, but we have so many areas. There's so many areas that we'd love for you to be invested in that, that's not a weekly thing. That's not like, hey, you gotta be calling and texting and talking to students and parents. And it, it, There's so many different areas that you can make an impact that aren't necessarily always giving just a ton of your time. And um, I was gonna show it up on the screen. There's just all of these areas that we can get involved in, but it was just gonna be way too overwhelming. And I had asked uh, Jenica and Judy, our kids team, to get together like different positions and stuff that they had, and I kind of conglomerated some different positions and stuff, and it was just gonna be way too much. So to not overwhelm you, I can promise you this. There are so many different ways that you can use your unique skills and abilities to be able to impact the next generation. No matter what age you are, like no matter, if you're a college student, if you're in the seniors group, we, we can use you. There's so many different ways. Like maybe you're a nurse 
I'm just gonna throw out a few examples of stuff that I had seen on there, but maybe you're a nurse and um, you may not know, like we need nurses at camps to be involved at camps. Maybe uh, you're really good at organization. Throughout the week, Jenica is constantly trying to organize and craft and get stuff together throughout the week for the Sunday gathering. There's so much that she has to do that she just needs someone uh, good at organization. Maybe you're a good cook. And you, you could serve at camps as a cook and you can get stuff together. Or um, you may not know that at, uh, in the fall, we do D-group dinners. And there, there's some meals that are made up. And maybe you're not a good cook and you need to go shopping. We have shoppers too. We'd love to get you involved um, in just shopping throughout the week for the meals that are happening that week. Um, maybe you wanna connect with other parents and you can simply check a box at registration. There's so many different special events and stuff that we could get you plugged in where you're able to greet other parents and you're able to check a box, make sure that students have waivers and send them in. We just need a friendly face that's there. Sometimes we, we think, okay, if I get involved with in next-gen ministry, they're gonna ask for my life. And I promise you, I promise you that we wanna be able to do what's best for both you and for the kids and students. And even just a little bit's enough. Even just a little bit helps us be able to make an impact in the life of a kid or student. So I wanna invite you. I'm not begging. I wanna invite you to serve, to make an impact, to bring that number down that we talked about in the beginning, to, to take it from 23% and to see it explode, see students impacted for the sake of the gospel. And it's something that we can't do alone. I don't wanna just produce it. I wanna see a community come together to impact the next generation. So if you're interested, the next steps are just super simple. You, all you have to do is just reach out to um, myself, Judy or Jenica. If you're interested in serving and getting involved, you can go to highlandcc.org and just go to the serve page and just, and just fill in. And, and once again, I'm not gonna be like, hey, so how many, let's, let's try to get as many hours as possible. If you're like, hey, I have this specific skill that you didn't even list that it would be super, super helpful potentially, we'd love to see ways that we can get you, you involved. You can also go find us at the Green Wall. We'd love to talk to you more about ways that you can get involved. No amount is too small. Together, we make an impact. As the band comes up um, and, and leads us in um, the ending of our gathering time here, one of the things that I think is most interesting uh, in serving, really in any area, but even specifically next generation ministry, is that a lot of times you think that you're going to step in and that you're gonna give your time and your investment and your abilities to be able to see kids and students change. And that's gonna happen. You're gonna change lives. Sometimes you won't physically see it. Sometimes it'll be years down the road, but it's gonna happen. But then as you serve more and more, one thing that you may notice is that not only are their lives being changed, but your life as well. Like as you're getting questions or you're seeing life change or you're talking to them and they're, they're, they're beginning to explore different areas and stuff, you begin to realize and you begin to see your own need. You begin to see ways and areas that maybe you frustrated the Lord or that you annoyed the Lord or maybe times that, that, that you were, maybe you needed to be more curious about the things of God. God begins to stretch and grow you and show you that this isn't just for someone else. This is for you as well. That as you serve, as you develop your gifts, God is going to reveal to you that he saved you, that he brought you in. He's gonna reveal to you Matthew 19. 
that he brings us in, not as fully mature adults that know everything and are able to just accept the gospel because we were able to, to hike up our bootstraps and, and go forward, but he has brought us in as children who are looking to cling to a father that at our lowest stooped down, picked us up and brought us near to his heart. I believe that not only will you make an impact, but God's going to make an impact in your life. And I would love to invite you into that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for moments where we're able to specifically look at areas within our church that, that we can continue to see your light shine. Lord, as we look at every generation here at Highlands, may we see just each one feeding into the other. May we see that there are differences between them, but each one is specifically gifted to be able to help us advance the kingdom. And by us pouring into the younger generation, we are able to see the future of the church grow and expand and move forward in ways that we have never seen before. Lord, help us. May we rest in who you are. In your name we pray, amen.